What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Movie Crush. This is a very special Friday edition. Uh, We usually pick a guest and deep dive into a single favorite film. But this week, I have Jeff Meacham on the show from, uh, well, from the world of podcasting, which we'll talk about, from the TV show Blackish, which we'll talk about. But this is a Tom Cruise special, everyone. Hi there. Hey, man. How are you? I couldn't be I couldn't be more excited to talk Cruise for a long time. Yeah, I mean, maybe the first thing I had the the podcast chat later on, but I think it, maybe we should just go ahead and talk about your podcast now because that'll help explain why we're talking about Tom Cruise. Thanks, man. Uh, you have a show out called Meeting Tom Cruise uh, <laughs> that you do along with your co-host uh, Joel Johnstone. And why don't you just tell me a little bit about this project and what the deal is here? <laughs> yeah, so I am your. You know, I'm your typical, I don't think that's the right word. I was, I grew up just uh, obsessed with movies and, uh-huh. and, you know, and I'm, a, I was born in 79. So I, and, and we've talked a lot about this on the pod. So I've, I've kind of worked it out where there's this chunk of time where I was, I was basically in 1990, I was 10 uh-huh. and by 1999, I was 20. So I grew up yeah. where from a, a kid to an adult where Tom Cruise was the biggest movie star in the world. And, yeah. and you know, man, you remember that was the height of the cineplex and you know like there was nothing more exciting than going to the movies at least for us movie nerds and sure. you know on a saturday night so i i was just i was just obsessed with the guy like uh-huh. he was he was the best and then, and then and then i went to a performing arts college and i think i kind of i i don't know i'm a i'm i'm a very exciting guy excitable guy i get really pumped about stuff so i think people just started to be like oh yeah jeff's obsessed with cruise and it just kind of <laughs> snowballed into uh-huh. this thing where I eventually started to come up with this idea one day, and this was in like, you know, I don't know, somewhere in the mid 2000s. And I was like, what if there was a show about two guys who thought Tom Cruise was going to retire and had to go like tell him not to retire? (laughs) I love it. 
Uh, yeah, and and they had the perfect script for him. You know, Cruz has just missed his Academy Awards a few times. So, uh-huh. uh, I you know, there's always the big star. Brad Pitt's now got one. You know, Clooney got his. So it's like, when does when does Cruz get his Academy Award? He so still anyway, has none. He no, he's been nominated three times, but he Boy, never won. He should have won for Magnolia. He should have won for Magnolia. We'll get to that for okay. sure. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am pissed. Right. Um, <laughs> So he, anyway, so I kept having all these ideas, 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 but of course, being the ADD, you know, sometimes lazy, sometimes distracted actor I am and kids and all, whatever, I just never did anything about it until my buddy Alec Lev, who's a total go-getter, was like, dude, you and your friend Joel are ridiculous together. You know, Uh we've known, (laughs) Joel and I have known each other since 99 and Joel is like, he, he reminds me of my best friend Cedar anyway. And so he just has this, crazy wild essence about him and he he comes up to me one day and he says dude dude i know how excited you are about Cruz and loving him i heard this story about him on the set of what was last samurai and he's uh-huh. like and, and he's and he's pumping himself up on the set and he's just yelling the words Cruz is on fire <laughs> <laughs> and i was like that sounds like tom Cruise." so it totally does Right. So anyway, my, my buddy Alec was like, you got to make this into a podcast. Uh, let's at least just record one. We did. This was, uh, I don't know, 14, 15 months ago. Uh-huh. And uh, a buddy of mine who, who uh, remained nameless uh, gave me the cruise cake that okay. particular Christmas. And do you know about this cruise cake? Have you heard about this? No, I don't know <gasps> about the cruise cake. You haven't heard? <laughs> no. Oh, Chuck. All right. Dom's Bakery in the Valley here in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Tom Cruise went there one day as Cruise would somebody or somebody brought one of the cakes from this bakery and Tom Cruise lost his freaking mind and was like, this is the best cake I've ever had before, but he's not a cake eater because he's keeping his body shredded all the time. (laughs) So what he decided to do is every holiday send, we're not sure what the number is yet. Thousands of these cakes to people. It's if you Google right now, Cruise cake, and it'll pop up and you'll see uh, Kirsten Dunst will tell a story. Anyway, so my buddy gives me the the official cruise cake that's got a little ornament on it. And it says, you know, happy holidays from Tom Cruise. And so we put it into the pilot podcast and sold it to iHeart. And here we that's are. That's amazing. What a story. I, know, uh, I can't believe it. And, you know, and we'll get to more cruise later. I do want to know a little bit more about your your background in childhood. Sure. I mean, I guess you're you were born in '79, so you're I'm I'm a bit older. I'm eight years older, but you know, sort of similar era, sure of of cruiseness, especially. Yeah, and uh, you were just a, a movie head as a kid. Where was it always just your thing? Yeah, so I was my you know I'm your my parents split. I was born in Connecticut. Parents split when I was quite young, and my mom and I moved to Florida in '86. What part? Sarasota. We followed okay. my grandparents, which you know. Yeah, is I, I can't tell you how many kids even in my school were just like in the same boat. We were all snowbirds. That right, right. Came from New England and, and moved to Florida, and you know loved it. But I, I, oh, and then my parents made this agreement, and this actually did kind of looking back shape my life. Where my mom told my dad that as long as he saw me somehow once a month, that mm-hmm. he didn't have to pay child support. So okay, <laughs> I saw my dad a lot, which was kind of crazy. You know, my construction worker father would fly down once a month from from Connecticut to, to Sarasota and we'd have a great weekend together. But then I'd go up and visit him for the whole summer and major uh-huh. holidays. So I, there, you know, I didn't have a ton of friends in Connecticut during those years, especially in the late 80s. Um, and that was the height of, you know, blockbuster. Yeah. And 
I dude, I was going crazy last night doing research, even when you just said like what were your favorite movies as a kid? Because I this is how much I obsessed over movies. Uh-huh. I think I I just realized that like in the summer of eighty nine, I must have watched every movie on the yeah. planet. <laughs> A thousand times. And we're not talking about the good ones either. You know, right. I, I, we're talking about, you know, like Ghostbusters 2, I probably saw, yeah. you know, an, an uncomfortable <laughs> number of times. But that's just, that's what I did. I was alone a lot. You know, I was a, a latchkey kid in Sarasota because my mom was single and she was working a lot. And my my high school was, or I'm sorry, my, my elementary school was right nearby. So I rode my bike there. And then by, like I said, by the summer of 89, I'm, you know, I'm able to ride my bike to the two local movie theaters that are right near me. That's great. And I still, and I, I remember that summer of 89, I was 10 years old and I I bring it up. Like I'm saying that year, because I think that was like that pinnacle, you know, you Uh get a little independence. Your mom doesn't mind you're leaving the house. And I, I still remember seeing the signs, the posters for Batman and Indiana Jones in the Mm -hmm. last crusade. Yes. And being, I still can feel, <clears throat> excuse me, I can still feel that visceral excitement yeah. of knowing that those two movies are coming out. And yeah. that feeling of, I mean, you remember, dude, do you remember those days when you would you know, sneak into the R-rated movies oh, yeah. or, or double feature, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're not the buy one, get enough. one tree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was terrible. It's- it was terrible. Not endorsing that, but we used to, uh, yeah, we used to kind of sneak in and see as many movies as we could for that. Uh- single admission price (laughs) of course of course because no matter what year it was it was still a lot of money to a kid and man i just that year you know it's like major league and the abyss oh yeah you know it's funny like there were were some truly great movies but it was also like it sounds like you were like me where you would be like what are you guys going to do we're going to see robin hood prince of thieves like oh what else are we going to do yeah, there was no other, Very it wasn't even movie. an option. You know, there wasn't like that discussion, like, should we go to the movies or should we go to, I can't even name what X was. It was just go to right. the movies. Like Point Break is out. What do you think we're doing on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon? Exactly. Dude, I was such a nerd that even in my freshman year, or movie nerd at least, my freshman year of college, my best friend, uh, Cedar, this guy, we would, <laughs> this is how, this is so Florida. He would get on, I would get on my bicycle. He would tie a rope to the back of my bicycle and rollerblade mm-hmm. off the back of my bicycle. <laughs> we'd go to Subway, yeah. we'd get our sandwiches, our chips and cookies uh-huh. and go to the, go to the movie store, go to the, you know, Blockbuster. I still remember renting, what was the, um, the Bruce Lee story one that his son was in. It was called like, Oh, dragon, dragon, dragon. I remember us renting dragon and then Uh just kicking the shit out of each other for an hour (laughs) thinking that we were, you know, Bruce Lee. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that those are my memories, my memories from my childhood and especially even my teen years where I went to performing arts high school in Florida, already knowing that I kind of wanted to be an actor. That's all it was. Like you said, it was movies. It was movies galore. Yeah. And you know, I, I was, um, as as being a little older, my heyday earlier on was like E.T., Raiders, Goonies, oh my Back God, to the, the Future. 80s. But you yeah. were just on the heels of that. So those were your VHS specials. Exactly. And you're like HBO specials. Um, those, were big, those were big deals. Do you remember? Also, I, I love keep my I had this uncle, Uncle Ray uh-huh. and Uncle Ray was he was like the first person to dub every movie. Right. You know, we all had that person <laughs> in our life that yeah. just took the VHS tape, made it SLP. So it had six hours worth oh, of tape. Oh yeah. The worst possible quality. <laughs> the worst quality. And you'd have all three Rambos on there. Uh-huh. You know, he'd fit on two tapes. He'd fit like every Rocky oh, yeah. and you'd just go to town watching, like you said, ET or any of the Indiana Jones. It was everything. Yeah. Those home collections recording off of cable TV. 
Yes. Uh, I was an HBO kid too. Like when, uh, and I've talked about this on the show before I grew up on, um, initially it was a gravel road and then they eventually paved it, but it wasn't some big neighborhood with kids everywhere. It was just a street with like six houses sort of in the woods. Right. And, uh, it was great looking back. We had a Creek behind our house and, you know, lived on a couple of acres. But at the time I was, I wanted to live in like the ET neighborhood. <laughs> like right. with kids everywhere, latchkey kids everywhere. Sure. Um, but what we did get finally when I was like 10 or 11 was HBO and MTV cable came down our little dirt road. Right. And, and those two things changed my life. I absolutely sat around and watched MTV constantly. And cause I was a big, still am big music guy. And, sure. uh, and HBO, I would watch some of these movies and my wife always kids me about my sort of weird, semi sophisticated taste as a kid. It was just because it was on HBO. Like I was the only 12 year old that would that had seen on Golden Pond nine times or, you know, these movies that were adult movies. Yes. Uh, but I just ate it all up, man. All yeah, nobody, nobody told us back then, you know, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it is because nobody told us that you need to <laughs> not let your kids watch these particular movies. Like, no, you know, now I think about myself as a parent now. I just did another pod recently for somebody who wanted to talk about Cobra. And I thought Stallone's Cobra as a uh -huh. kid was the coolest movie. I watched that movie again <laughs> just recently. It is so horrifically violent and yeah. so terrible for any <laughs> child to watch. And movies I were really movie. violent back then. Oh, God, they were so violent. The killers were all very angry. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, we watch movies we should not have been watching. Yeah, for sure. And And even like with the On Golden Ponds, these movies that are the content wasn't like something yeah. I shouldn't have been watching, but it's just, what's a 12 year old kid watching a, a movie about aging, uh, you know, octogenarians <laughs> and, and loving it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Remember the, remember just even the way the HBO symbol and the music oh, would come. Remember that feeling you'd get yeah. every time. And yes. sometimes when you didn't know what the movie was, oh, you yeah. know, you turn it on and a you didn't, surprise. You, you know, you didn't flick over to uh, the channel that had the scroll yeah. on it. Uh -huh. So you were, you were pumped. You didn't know what you're about to watch. And, uh, man, yeah, no, no all the surprise is gone. And, and I don't want to be, you know, crusty old 50 year old guy. I know, but, uh, <laughs> the, the, and the ease of access is wonderful. It's all great, but there was something a little special and we've talked about it before about going to that blockbuster and not knowing if you can find your movie and looking at those people coming in re and returning movies to that cart. And they're like, is it in? Did, did they just return uh, the last crusade? Because I really need to see that movie. Sorry. Like all 20 copies are out. Man, well, when, are they, when are they I coming in? One's due to be returned tonight at some point. Well, where <laughs> yeah. is that guy? Do you know his address? <laughs> what time, when, when he rented it, what time did he rent right. it? You know? <laughs> All right, exactly. that means he probably watched it. Okay, you know, yeah. Absolutely. It's not rewound. I don't care. Give it to me. <laughs> oh, man. I'll rewind it. Seeing the guy even turn around and and seeing that kind of avalanche of movies and uh -huh. you see him kind of fun, <laughs> funnel through and hope that you, you see the copy. Or yeah. even just remember remember when you'd walk to the back shelf and you'd see the, you'd look at the thickness of the movie. So if you knew that one was kind of sticking out three-dimensionally, <laughs> oh, is there, oh, there, there, there's one, there's one, you know? <laughs> Because they'd give the new, remember, they'd give the new release, like the whole wall. And, oh, yeah, the etiquette of uh, someone is standing right in front of your movie and there's the, the only one copy. And you're like, can I just, I'm just trying to reach <laughs> yes, this yes. thing. But technically, yeah. like, no, I'm sorry. This is my zone. You need to wait your turn. 
when I would spend those summers with my dad, uh, there was this place. And then, and then remember, there were the other movie places. So there were the independent places. And Which there was I, this- I worked at some of those. I love those. Of course, of yeah. course. Those were always the guys like you mm-hmm. that would work there that knew everything about movies. <laughs> so you could ask them any question. They'd be like, well, man, listen, right, right. you know, co- Cobra's good, but if you really want Stallone, <laughs> right. watch over the top. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe they were smarter than Stallone films, but we had this place down the street called Eastern Video. Uh-huh. And I remember it was at the bottom of a hill because, man, that trek back up that hill was tough on the bike. And uh, they had a deal, which was five movies for $5 for five days. And it, you couldn't do new release though. That uh-huh. was the only thing. And again, there you go. Like that's, that's my summer right there. I would, yeah. I, I think there were days where I would by two days later, I'd go back and return all five because I'd burn through them so quickly and, and get a new set of five. But it's not like at the time I was watching the, the highest level of films. I, I think, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Stallone and Steven right. Seagal. I think I watched Under Siege way too many times, you know, and <laughs> just an uncomfortable number of times. Yeah. I mean, the video store experience is great. I certainly did all the blockbuster, uh, you know, supported blockbuster, but the mom and pops were like, they were still around. Like when I lived in LA, which doesn't seem like that long ago, I guess it's been like 16 or 17 years, but I lived in Los Feliz and I went to video hut that was just yeah. right there across from house of pies and yeah, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, there was a video hut there and there was the blockbuster down the street. But you went to video hut if you, you know, if you lived in the area because they had everything. Yeah. And as soon as you got as soon as we grew up and, you know, college and, and young adult, you especially for those of us in the business, you started to learn about other films and you wanted to see those. And usually blockbuster sure. didn't have them or, yeah, yeah, you know, right. so if you wanted to watch an, I don't know, an Elia Kazan film, you were like, All right, yeah. well, I'll go to this other place <laughs> and start to learn about these people. And again, that person behind the desk, nine times out of 10, just had knowledge, man, had weird, crazy knowledge of flicks. Yeah, the one I worked at in college was Vision Video. It was very much the cool indie one. And uh, then there was one in Atlanta that was really great called Movies Worth Seeing uh, and Videodrome. And Videodrome is still around. It's like the only kind of one in Atlanta still in the same little tiny building. Oh, I and love it, that. and if you want to go find the first Jim Jarmusch movie, then you can go in there and get it. I love that. That's that's something that, God, I miss that. And in, in Sarasota, we had a place where you could take a tag. It had a it had a little a little hook mm-hmm. and tags underneath yeah. it. So you know, and you, they all had a system. You know, they had, the systems were the best. And and of course, there was always that room in the back in most of these places. Uh, you sure. see it, and as that a room. kid, you were like, <laughs> "Oh man, it's what's back there?" It's, it's, <laughs> I want to know what's in there. Right, exactly. It's like, why is my uh, the head dean of my uh, deacon of my church coming out of that room? What's going on? Hey, is that my third grade teacher, <laughs> Mr. Johnson? Uh, when did um, when did you start acting, and and when did Blackish come along for you? You were on from the very beginning, right? I was, yeah, since the pilot. Uh, in short, I started acting at a, a, I guess, a fairly young age. I found out quickly that I was a terrible student, and mm-hmm. my mother was having trouble keeping me uh, uh, in school, so she sent me to kind of a delinquent middle school, mm-hmm. and in that school. The head of this school just, I mean, there was literally eight of us that were in eighth grade. And, and I'd gone to like this other private delinquent school before that. And finally, she was fed up and she, she sent me to this weird school in the middle of nowhere in, in Sarasota. Anyway, they, uh, the, the teacher there just saw it in me. She was like, you're, you're, you're a performer. That's your thing, man. You, you love to perform. So they put on a play and she told my mom, she was like, listen, Jeff, Jeff's an actor. This is what he's going to do. And there's this performing arts high school 
in Sarasota called Booker and you should uh, have them audition and, and, and send them there. And I did. And I did. I auditioned for it. I, I still remember my mom telling me, you know, to do the interview as a 14 year old. She was like, please tell them that your favorite actors are De Niro and Pacino and, uh-huh. uh, you know, Stallone <laughs> and Seagal. Right. And, uh, and I was like, okay. And, uh, and I got in and, and, and it kind of was, you know, there's history right there. I went That's to that cool. school. Every, I, it was amazing. You know, I started high school in 93. So we just had a great group of people. And, and back in those days, it was a big deal to go to a conservatory for college. So, you uh-huh. know, people were going to NYU and Carnegie Mellon and, and Juilliard and, and NCSA and all these like, you know, big, big performing arts schools. And you heard about the famous actors that went there. And right. I got a pamphlet for a school called SUNY Purchase that my friend Brandon sure. showed me. Mm-hmm. And on the cover was Wesley Snipes. And I was like, what? <laughs> that guy's awesome. I'm going to Blade University. <laughs> I want to go to Blade University. That is so exactly right. I'm like, the dude from White Man Can't Jump? Sure. And uh, I auditioned for SUNY Purchase. And I was, I for some reason, obsessed over the school. And oh, it was, you know what? It was also just outside of New York. It is just outside of New York City. So it was uh-huh. this great, tie between being able to go into the city anytime but not right. actually live there because I was still a little intimidated by New York and um, and then my dad was close by you know my dad lived in Connecticut so I was uh-huh. able to kind of move back up there at 18 go there I I I graduate I'm your very just this is I just love to like I I did anything I could to make money in the a lot of money in the shortest amount of time. So I found out about becoming a children's party entertainer, uh-huh. and I would dress up like Superman and Batman and SpongeBob <laughs> and Barney and whatever the hell Power Rangers. I did Power Rangers more yeah. than you could ever imagine, and I would travel all over the tri-state area and you know Greenwich and all the super rich up and up up uh, you know up up the fifteen in Connecticut and just just you know New Canaan and did that for years, and then I booked this in two thousand six. Giving you my whole quick history to get to Blackish. I booked uh, I booked this internet commercial called ShaveEverywhere.com, and you know this is the internet has nothing has gone super viral yet mm-hmm. at this point. It's it's yeah 2006, and uh, they're like Phillips Noroco was like, oh, we got this product for men shaving their junk, and we want to do a whole funny campaign about that. Right, and I was like, I'm your guy. <laughs> uh-huh. Early manscaping days. Early manscaping. No, that is. It was the first yeah. manscaping thing. And uh, people later told me that they actually used the, in like business schools. This this was the first viral. Oh, cool. You know, video in this way. It, and anyway, <laughs> it ended up winning the Cannes Golden Lion Award for like best oh, website. Oh, wow. That's great. And I I mean, dude, I'm, I'm playing softball in the park mm-hmm. one day in, in Central Park. And I get a phone call from my commercial agent who's like, listen, there's there's this agent from CAA that wants to meet you. And I literally, the first thing I thought, Chuck, I was like, oh, that's Tom Cruise's agency. Right. Like, that's what Tom, are you, I will, whatever you need me to do in this moment, whatever you need me to do. Right. So I ended up calling that agent and yeah, he was, uh, his name was Raj and he's an incredible agent. And he was like, listen, I, you, we love your video and people are calling. People started just calling. They were like, who's this yeah, guy in the white guy? bathrobe? Who's who's talking about shaving his junk? And, and it was the website was ridiculous. You could you could click in like you could type in questions and ask me questions, and I had uh-huh. all these stock answers. There was a music video. There was it was crazy. It was crazy. Wow. And I just I went from a guy who only had his equity card from doing uh-huh. a play down in you know Florida and a couple of commercials under my belt, and you know I had lines on Guiding Light and all my children, and 
that's it. That's all I had. Yeah. And next thing you know, I'm at CAA. So by the time I got out here, amazing. that's how people start. I, you know, I, I got all these general meetings because mm-hmm. I'm with CAA now. But of course, I'd walk into these meetings, you know, with the head of casting at NBC and they'd be like, how are you here? You have nothing on your resume. And I was like, oh, I have a ball shaving commercial. And they right. loved it. <laughs> Everybody loved it. Still to this day, there's casting directors, you know, with whatever success I've had since. No, no, no. They still are like, ah, you remember that commercial you did? And so, yeah, so I did that for years. And now we're just going to skip over the, you know, the hard times and the ups and the downs and kids and uh, marrying my amazing, beautiful wife. And how many kids you got? I have two. I have two boys. Oh. Uh, they are eight and a half and four. And um, yeah, my, my, what about you? You got kids? I have a five and a half year old daughter. Oh, you're in it then. You I'm know. in it. Yeah. Fun yeah, age. Oh, fun age, but pandemic age. That's tough. Yeah. We're doing okay. Yeah. She was know, able to though. go to this tiny little micro school with four other kids uh, outdoors at oh, one, that's one of the parents' houses. And so that was, that's been a savior. But that's, that's it. That was, yeah. then, then you, I know you LA really... has been super tough. Yeah. But they're back now. My kids are back. Well, at least Good. private school is that's back, great. which, you know, again, very, so lucky to be able to send my kids to one. Yeah. Thanks to Blackish. <laughs> right. Um, so I just was your, you know, I was booking jobs here and there, a couple pilots here and there. Um, I never, I don't know. I, I never, I like missed the improv scene. People mm-hmm. just, I would lie always in jobs. If someone said to me like, Hey man, you, you do improv. You're like, you, you're a funny guy. And I'd be sure. like, yeah, no, I'm part of this troupe back in New York. We're called the shenanigans. And I would right. just like make up names. Well, but I yeah, never, any name would work. Seriously. I never yeah. did it. I just, I missed the whole boat of UCB and, and the groundlings. I, right. I don't know what I was. I was honestly, I was just, I, I, I had a great job being a kid's party entertainer. I uh-huh. had, I was booking commercials. I, I'm a total I'm just like my dad. All I want to do is play all the time. So I was on like, literally at one point I was on like three softball teams and I was uh-huh. in a basketball league <laughs> and I just was like, Oh, this is the life. And, yeah, and yeah, I'll totally. wait for people to give me jobs. I wasn't as ambitious as some of these other people that are out there. Just like they're just comedy all the time. Anyway, I, uh, I, one day these great casting directors called me and they said, Hey man, you, you got an audition for the untitled, uh, Anthony Anderson project. And I was like, Oh, I, that's the dude from, uh, from me, myself, and Irene. I know yeah. the, the kangaroo jack guy and uh, departed. And, you know, so I go sure, in and a lot of stuff. It's crazy. Oh, no. I mean, Anthony's his, his career is amazing. And, and I remember the character name said Josh. And he said, uh, it's a, it's a Josh 30s, the white guy. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I don't know what that means. And right. it was not for a series regular. And I mean, it really is a crazy story. We, I booked the job. And I think I booked it because the, the casting directors still tell the story that there was a line that said, uh, what's up, Driggity Dre? What's like, <laughs> like giving him this cheesy nickname, Driggity Dre. Yeah. And, uh, and it said in slow-mo. And I guess I was the only guy that actually went, what's up, Driggity <laughs> Dre? And, and I did, did it. it. <laughs> I did it. I did. I was the only one that did it in the actual slow-mo. And uh, I booked it. Man, even when we shot it, I was like, I had a bunch of lines that ended scenes. And uh-huh. as you learn as an actor, especially if you're, a, you know, at that time, I was just doing a lot of co-star and guest star work. I was like, I'm never gonna like, you know, you knew to like, make sure you spoke quickly so they couldn't cut your line off. Right. Like, that's how it felt. I just, <laughs> all the tricks. I didn't, yeah, all the tricks, man. And I just, you know, I shot it, did it, took, took two days to do it. And then 
when it got picked up, I was, I was, I was recurring on this Nickelodeon show called the Thundermans, which was a blast. And I, I really did at the time. I just thought I just had a child and I guess my career will be that I'll be like the dad on, on kid shows, you know, uh-huh. I, cause I just wanted to make money for my family. I wasn't sure. really any, I, I like hit this point where I was booking commercials I was working, but I had lost that love to become Tom Cruise because I just wanted to support my family. And then right. I booked Blackish, and the rest is history. When what year was that first year? Twenty fourteen. Wow, man, that's a great yeah. run, and that yeah. is you know, we just finished for, our seventh season. Amazing for for listeners who don't really uh, know a lot about network TV and stuff. I mean, for many for for many actors for smart actors, that is <laughs> sort of the holy grail because. Yeah. The hours are really good compared to a lot of acting gigs. For sure. It's, uh, it, it is, it's, there are dependable hours that you kind of know what you're going to get generally. Yep. Um, it's usually on a stage, which is always a lot easier than being on location. For sure. It's a steady paycheck. It's the potential one day of, of syndication and residuals. And it is just, it's a great, great gig. And you always hear actors talk about even people who like, you know, went on to do big, big movies and, uh, uh, like people like George Clooney talk about just God, those ER days yeah. and like those were great days. Cause it's, it's such good money after you've starved to death doing, Absolutely. you know, kids parties and stuff. No, uh, and that's just great, man. I, it's a show that I didn't watch, uh, but I watched like, I think I watched three episodes over the past couple of days to prepare for this. And it's really funny. Like I see why it's been around for seven years. It's, it's a yeah. really good show. Yeah, it's got a lot of heart. It's got it's got totally. it tells stories that they, they they every every season it feels like there's two or three episodes that are just like, oh, these are important. Like, yeah, these man. Are, these are important yeah. episodes. And and we as the guys in the office, you know, nine times out of ten, we've got one scene. You know, if 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 people out there haven't watched the show and did watch 30 Rock, we, we're kind of similar. The three of us, the uh, Peter McKenzie and Dion Cole, and myself are kind of like the uh-huh. guys from 30 Rock or the the writer's room, you know, yeah. where the every every episode Anthony comes and chats with us and some episodes we've just had dream stories. We're always the ones that he runs his problems through. Uh So we talk about these issues, especially in the black community that are just sometimes huge discussions. And they take these two white guys, Peter and myself and, and filter our, that kind of uh, blanket white opinion through. And it's been fascinating. It's just been fascinating to learn and to talk about and to, hear you know here i i i'll tell you if there's one thing i've learned for being on blackish it's just shut up and listen yeah just shut up and listen man you know we have no idea no totally. clue so it's it's been fascinating it's been that's fascinating awesome run. congratulations um and i know that the show has a has a diverse audience but obviously does have a a, a quite an african-american following um yeah do you get recognized like in the black community now when you go out? Are they like, oh, my God, look who it is. <laughs> you know, it, it to- totally. I think at first I used to think that I used to like if I walked by a black guy, I'd be like, he knows who I am. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's ridiculous. But I yeah, totally sure. thought that. But then I found out that like I think 60 percent of our audience is white. So oh, really interesting. Yeah, it's I, it, it was. It, it, yeah, the split was something like that, like 60-40. So I still get recognized way more by white people than uh-huh. than black people, which is kind of funny. You know, it's it's very interesting. That's like, oh, that's that's interesting. You know who I am. And I think a lot of people also relate to Josh's. Uh, Josh is my character. His name's Josh Openhole. Yeah. Uh, that's his real his real name. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Josh is just, um, he's, a, he's a bit of a, a loner. He's a bit of a guy that just can never make it work. And he says stupid things. 
by accident, but he just wants to be liked. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people that can relate to that. That just, totally. He's a he's sweet just, guy. He's yeah. a sweet guy. He just means well, but he can never <laughs> quite get it right. Well, I'm a fan now, and I hope uh, I hope for many, many more years of that sweet, sweet network oh, TV gig for you. <laughs> God, yes. My my kid's private school says, please. Yes. Keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast, How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right. Well, I guess let's get into the cruise portion. Uh, we uh, we do sort of have to caveat this with the, the Scientology thing. Uh, we don't need to get into all that, but uh, he's a part of a, a an organization that has done some pretty bad things, and we don't want to just sweep that under the... I mean, we are going to sweep it under the rug. <laughs> But I uh, wanted to acknowledge that and just we're focusing on his his performances uh, as an actor. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, that, no, that's fair to say. I, this is what I tell people. If you want to talk about Scientology, watch the documentary. If, if you yeah. watch Going Clear or watch, you know, one of the shows about it. I don't know a lot about it. It seems like he has separated himself since the 2005, you know, kind of... Um, when he when he started to speak about it a little bit more, you know, because right. remember, you remember there was this strange period of time where he remember before two thousand five, before the your glib mat couch jumping period of time, <laughs> it was it was all the same time. It was really all my the same wife time. and I still say that to each other. You're being glib. You're being glib. You're glib. <laughs> um, before that, he was the most squeaky clean actor on the planet. You remember Roseanne? Uh, uh, For Roseanne? sure. 
uh what was her name oh my god i called her roseanne but uh sally jesse no. no, who had her talk show? Uh, Ricky. Co- no, she she was in a league of their <laughs> Oprah? own. Why can't <laughs> so Madonna? Close. Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell. There it is. I love that you said Oprah. Oprah. Oh yeah, that's it. Oprah. Right. Uh, no, Rosie O'Donnell. Remember, she was obsessed with him. Did you remember? The, did you ever watch her yeah, talk show? Like she I do had remember downs that. till he came on. He was uh-huh. just he was squeaky clean. Everybody loved him. He just had the great smile and he was kind. And then. He what what the story goes that he changed publicists. He had oh. this famous famous publicist, and then he hired his sister to be his publicist, who was in Scientology as well. And that's when things kind of got a little wonky. And then quickly soon after, you never hear about it anymore. You never right. hear him say anything about it. So it is interesting to know what's something happened in that period of time, and now you just never hear about it anymore. And now you just hear about now is this this second half of his career. This last fifteen years has been this where a lot of these stories come from the legendary, you know, crews being acting a certain way. That's just wild and amazing. It's like, it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, and I will say this, you know, from hearing stories about people that have worked with him and his career, like I've heard nothing but him being one of the most dedicated, like he takes his job very, very seriously for sure. And there is nothing that the guy won't do to get the performance that he needs to get. And, yeah. and you got to respect that. Um, Absolutely. He never phones it in. Um, <laughs> oh, and not even just talking about sort of these days when he does his own stunts and all that. Like, that's all super cool. But, you know, I remember hearing a lot of stories with Cameron Crowe back in the day and, and all these great stories of how Tom Cruise is just so focused yeah. on doing a great job. Yeah. I mean, uh, we just had Sarah Wright Olson on the show who played his wife in American Maid. And she said that during the process of that movie that he, the director with Doug Lyman, Tom Cruise and the writer lived in the same house together. I mean, these are 40, 50 year old men uh-huh. just during the shooting of the movie lived in the same house together so they could do <laughs> nothing but focus yeah. on that movie and write it and dedicate themselves to it. And, and, and listen, I, whenever I hear bad stories or the people that question it, it's always the people that just listen to the news. They right. don't know him personally, but at the moment, the people that we have spoken to that know him personally or have worked with him just have nothing but the greatest things to say about it. And that's what makes him fascinating. Right. Is that, as I say in the pod, he's shrouded with mystery, uh-huh. but yet to everybody, he's the hardest working and nicest guy. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested. I'm, I'm a manic dude. Uh, and since, you know, you have a, a podcast about meeting Tom Cruise, I'll tell you my <laughs> quick two Tom Cruise stories. Yes. Uh, when I lived in LA and I worked uh, in TV commercial production, I worked as a PA and then an art department. I was in the production office in Santa Monica one day for the company I worked for a lot. Tom Cruise was rumored to be in the building and uh, the, it was, you know, you know how things are in LA, like an office like that will really be a buzz if, sure. you know, like Cruise is going to be here by the way, cause they were doing casting upstairs or something. Oh man. And he, uh, they were like, he's here, he's walking down the hall, he's walking down the hall. And I ran out and I looked and I saw the, the, <laughs> I can't even say I saw the back of his head. He was surrounded by like six or eight people walking down the hall but he's not a tall guy. No, that's what everybody and so says. He was obscured by everybody that he was surrounded by. And I knew Tom Cruise was 15 feet away from me in a circle of people, but I couldn't yeah. even see him. Yeah. Yeah. And what makes him, what, what, what makes this, why I think he's the greatest movie star of all time is because of that is because just you being 15 feet away from him is a story for the rest of your life. And there's not the rest too of many life. people. There's not uh-huh. too many people that happens. It, it, we all love yeah. Ethan Hawke, but I don't think you're sitting here going to tell me one day, right. hey man, I was 15 feet away from Ethan Hawke. And you I didn't even I mean? see him. And he was walking away from me with a group of people. So like, exactly. oh, well, well, where's we the love, story? We love him. But <laughs> I love he, Ethan yeah. Hawke. 
Yeah. Uh, and then my wife, uh, she worked in the film industry at the time. She was a, um, ended up producing music videos and commercials and stuff. But at the time was, uh, I think maybe just a production coordinator on the Mission Impossible, just the um, rock face climbing uh, shoot. Oh, from MI2. Yeah. From yeah. MI2. So, you know, in, in movies sometimes, like if you go on just a location to do one thing, sometimes you have like sort of a different crew. Sure. Uh, and she just helped helped uh, coordinate that shoot. And uh, she still to this day doesn't like Tom Cruise because he like made everyone wait for too long in his trailer and wouldn't come out. <laughs> Oh, and it no. was it was one of those things, you know, yeah, the sort sure. of nuts and bolts of filmmakings where she's like, oh, this big fucking movie star, he wouldn't even come out of his trailer. And we were yeah. all three hours late and I wanted to go home. And so that, that's why she doesn't like Tom Cruise. <laughs> Isn't it? Can you imagine having the pressure of that for the rest of your life? So you have one bad day, assuming he could have had others. I'm not, sure. I'm not doubting that it wasn't lame what he did. But, yeah, you know, that one day that an no, actor's in a, you know, in a bad mood uh -huh. and they pass by you and you're like, hey, <laughs> hey, Bruce Willis. And he's like, whatever. And forever. I'm like, that guy's a dick. Yeah, you know, or, or his uh, his COVID meltdown, you know, that was broadcast far and yeah, wide. It's, yeah. you know, that was a tricky one because I got it, it man. Tricky. And like, I do think you should talk to people in a kinder way, but I also get how much money's at stake Yeah, and how he was like, listen, man, we are taking this seriously. And like, there is so much pressure on me as a human. Like, you can't, you can't fuck this up. And I get it. I get it. He snapped, man. He's yeah, a human he being. So Thousands I wasn't one of, of those jobs. that heard yeah. that and was like, oh, what a total asshole. I was like, man, I kind of see where he's coming from. I don't think too many people did either. I mean, maybe it was split, but that was interesting to see that even on the, you know, on the Twitter pages and on the Instagram, there's the split comments yeah. of people being like, no, nah, man, I get it. So and that I think was people brought their own shit into it, though. Like if you didn't like Tom Cruise before, you probably just use that to reinforce. Sure. For you know? sure. Absolutely. So wait, did your wife get to meet him? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in that the coordinator gets to meet the lead actor, like he, sure. he, he probably came through, but she wasn't like accepting his petty cash or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah, totally. Uh, so my first experience with Tom Cruise, uh, was one of those HBO movies as a kid that I saw probably two dozen times, a, a movie called Taps, uh, yeah. about the, the military academy and Tom Cruise had a very small part, but a very kind of key part at the end of that film. Uh, and then The Outsider shortly after that, another small role. But that was my introduction to him as an actor and uh, when he was just sort of a doughy kid. And uh, I think it's interesting how he's changed. You know, there are a lot of Tom Cruises from those days to like real serious acting to action hero. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting career. It is. And, and you got to remember those first two movies you named especially for your generation and that when how old you were when you saw those movies uh -huh. he was he was pigeonholed as a psychopath at that point because he had done his first little role on endless love and then outside right. taps he's a crazy man in those movies yeah, and so yeah. and he was kind of sh he was a wrestler so he was sh shredded and uh -huh. kind of like he was a little scrapper and it, it, it act it's funny because Tom Cruise is is you know what made him famous as Risky Business, but he actually had to work hard to get Risky Business because that was so different than what he was playing at that point. So it's right. it is fascinating to think that he could have easily not gotten Risky Business and then just gone down the path of being the outsider, scrapper, tough guy, maybe doing horror films and uh -huh. you know, but he didn't. He he. There's this like now legendary story that he um, 
he 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 ran off all this like he didn't work out he just ran and did cardio and then gorged himself on like sugar so uh-huh. he kind of made it himself look a little like sweet like like gave himself like a thin layer of fat so when he did Joel Goodson in in uh in that movie he uh, he just looked like a normal boy instead of oh, this like rich psychopath Isn't that yeah. interesting yeah right? yeah totally and, and and that's who we know risky business is like what launched him to be this mega star so yeah. So what, how we decided to do this was to yeah. come up with three top five categories, um, top five guilty pleasure movies, Tom Cruise, top five legit acting movies is what I called it. And just top five overall films that he's been in. I like and uh, I figured we'd just trade off and chit chat about them all. Let's do it. All right. So top five. I couldn't be more excited. Like I literally <laughs> too, man. couldn't be more excited in my closet in my house. <laughs> this is so cool. Uh, top five guilty pleasure movies. I'm going to go ahead and start off with, uh, and I hesitate to put it under guilty pleasures because it is a good movie, but it's risky business. And it was a movie that I think was unfairly included in that sort of teen, sort of TNA teen film thing of mm-hmm. that, that era. But it is a good movie, but For I'm sure. still putting it in guilty pleasures. I get that. I, I think that's a right call too. It, it, it's still, it does. It is a teenage movie, no matter what. Even though it's it's very well written and different and interesting, but yeah, it's a guilty pleasure. I I, I give you that one. Uh, great, my great movie one, though. Oh, such a good movie. Yeah, just watching it again recently, and him and De Mornay, You don't get better chemistry than that. Those two. No, I mean that was hot stuff for a kid. Uh, oh, I mean it's goodness. hot stuff for an adult. But I, I still want a uh, to this day like when I see an old Porsche 928 for sale, I'm like, <laughs> oh man, the fucking risky business car. <laughs> There the is no substitute. <laughs> That's right. Remember that? Uh, uh, so we'll go back and forth? Yes. What do you got? Okay. Uh, all right. So my first uh, guilty pleasure then is uh, cocktail. <laughs> all right. Well, that's on my list. So we can go ahead and just talk cocktail. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. How can it not be on your guilty pleasure list? It was, how can it, it, not? It was so fun. <laughs> it was, man. The, the music, the just yeah. the complete ridiculous soundtrack and the... The idea of watching it again, you know, I did. I watched all these movies last year. The idea that he just walks into a bar and there's Brian Brown smoking a cigarette and it's just a dive bar. And he's like, oh, by the way, I'm also a Cirque du Soleil entertainer with with liquor bottles. (laughs) Well, that kicked off a genuine uh, movement in bartending to do shit like that. And I know it already was a thing. It's not like they invented it. But they really popularized that whole bar show, bartender bar show thing. Absolutely, man. He that movie's just that movie's ridiculous, and I love it so much. And and again, I mean, it's it's dated on some of its subject line, of course. Especially if you just go back and look at the idea that he just he falls in love with this girl, has the most loving relationship with her, and then Brian Brown's just like, "Hey, I bet you can't go bang this other girl," and he's like, "Bet I could." bet I could and then he does and then when he makes the argument to her later when she's like I'm pregnant and he's like look you you came on too strong and uh-huh. she's like my I thought we were just in love like it's it's a little dated but it's still a fun movie and remember remember the ridiculous poems you know that he oh, would make yeah. up in front of the audience so yeah fun. who was the other I mean I know Elizabeth Shue obviously was uh the lead but who was the one who was who the was other the- one what was the dude from F? Oh, oh, who was the the woman that played the quote unquote yeah. older woman? I I don't remember her name, but she was. Uh, it's showing Kelly Lynch and Gina Gershon. Was it one of those two? No, Gina Gershon worked in the oh, in right. that ridiculous bar that they became famous in. Oh, and that's another one too. Is that 
he was dating Gina Gershon and then Brian Brown being the shallowest character ever was like, he made a bet. Everything in that movie was about bets. And yes, so he's like, that's right. I bet, I bet she'll leave you. Uh-huh. And he's like, she's not going to leave me. So he has sex with her. Like it's right. so shallow and so mean. It's oh, this, he was such a jerk. He was such a jerk. And then he killed himself. What Spoiler a hit. Alert. Uh, well, that's fine. You can spoil cocktail. $170 yeah. million dollar gross. What a Jeez. smash hit. Yeah. So say what yeah. you want about that movie, but I mean, that that's what helped propel him to being one of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My, my buddy makes the argument that he thinks the reason why he didn't get nominated for Rain Man, which he should have, is because that was the same year. Cocktail had come out in the summer and Rain Man came out in the winter wow. or something. So, so people were like... Had that stain, that exactly. cocktail stain. <laughs> yeah, that kind. <laughs> that... Uh, <laughs> Oh boy. A vodka stain. All right. What do you got next? So my next guilty pleasure, and uh, I hope I'm not insulting you because for all I know, this is on your top five best movies. No, it's fine. uh, Is Top Gun. No, that's right. That's right. Okay. (laughs) That's totally understandable. (laughs) Great movie. I mean, I was one of these kids who saw that movie a a ton of time and I wasn't, I, I don't think I remember being like, oh man, Top Gun's the best thing I've ever seen. But when I, as in a full grown adult last year, saw that first teaser for Maverick, I was like, I was so in, man. I was like, man, this is hitting all my buttons. And I didn't even know I had those buttons. That is spot on. That first bong sound, that famous yeah. bong sound from that. You hear that in that new teaser and you're like, what is happening? I know. Yeah, it Great is. Movie. It is. I think it might be the ultimate guilty pleasure, you know, I and, and right. I'm, I'm admitting that even more now because I used to say, and I do, I mean, it is my favorite movie of all time. Like it is. It oh, just, is it really? It is. Like it is the desert island movie. You know, I could yeah. say it's Cuckoo's Nest or Chinatown or these great movies, <laughs> but I'm not, if someone says to me like, hey, let's watch a movie, I'm not going to be like, let's watch Chinatown. Right. No, man, I'm going to watch, uh, I'm going to watch Top Gun and it's going to be a blast and you're going to love every second of it. It's the best. Yeah, I mean, some genuinely great, great action, of course. For sure. Uh, and and you can't help but sort of laugh at and love all of that uh, machismo and the, yes. you know, it's just Yeah, it's the great. Val Kilmer just chews every scene in that movie up and it's, he's, yeah, it's they all have the, they all have the ridiculous, you know, code names of Iceman and Wolfman and the completely ridiculous volleyball yeah. scene that has no place whatsoever but it's in there because i mean the director even admits tony scott said like let's put another scene in where they're playing volleyball and we oil them up it had gotta oil them up gotta oil them up had no uh (laughs) had no rhyme or reason to be in the movie but i i live for that movie and it and and just like you said with cocktail it like i guess it it changed a generation of young men that all wanted to go into the air force and the navy yeah it did did a lot for recruitment and i have to say my brother-in-law is a uh he's in the marine corps and He's very high ranking officer now, but he uh, still has his wings, but he was a pilot. That's how he came up as a helicopter oh, cool. pilot. And uh, he, they always just laughed at these, at, at Maverick and Iceman. And he was like, that's not how it works, man. He's like, you don't pick <laughs> your own name. And it certainly isn't some cool name. And he said, you get a name tagged on you. That is usually a joke. Uh, that's some, something to make fun of you. And like yeah. his, his name was always Hazel. Because he was always cleaning up after everyone. He's a clean freak. Right. And so, like, you didn't say, all right, my name's going to be Iceman. He's like, that ain't how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Hazel, man, that scared me. I was like, was he a stripper? Because Hazel's a stripper's name. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that Uh, was my next one. That's your next one. Mine is, is similar. 
And in the sense that it's Days of Thunder. That's on my list too. Okay, good. Yeah, Days of Thunder is the next Tony Scott film he did. They said it was basically, you know, uh, Top Gun in race cars. I freaking love this movie. I could watch it anytime. Yeah. It's the best. The music at the beginning. Uh-huh. The, the, what's Mike, Michael Rooker? Is that his name? Rooker? The bad guy, so yeah. to speak. Oh, he's bad great. Guy. You know, the scene when they, the scene when they both get different rental cars and uh-huh. <laughs> just, you know, just, just casually race on a beach at 90 miles per hour in an Oldsmobile Alero is totally not going to get you arrested. Uh, I freaking love that movie. Oh, and his name is uh, Cole Trickle. Yeah, one of the great movie names. And, you know, also had Robert Duvall in it. Uh, some, you know, Randy Quaid, great, great part. A young John C. Riley. Uh, it was, you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's almost like Pete Cruz of that era of like, let's, you know, let's put him in a race car. The, yeah. I mean, that was probably the pitch is let's put Tom Cruise in a race car. And he had just come off of uh, a very successful, dramatic run of like three. You know, I think that's Born on the Fourth and right. Rain Man and... Uh, I'm missing something else right in between there, but he'd done very dramatic movies, maybe those two. So then he was like, oh, just let's not forget. I'm also the biggest star in the world. You yeah. Know? And I imagine there might be some agent at work saying we need to give him one. You know, you've been doing yeah. this, this artsy fartsy stuff. Yeah. Two for them. <laughs> yeah. 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 One or, you know, yeah, no, two for us, one for them kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I worked with Tony Scott on a, on a TV commercial. He directed an army commercial one time and, uh, one of the most fun jobs I was ever on. One of the greatest, most fun directors I ever worked with. That must, I mean, he is my favorite director, I think. I he was love, a great man. He was high I, energy, super crew friendly. Always just wanted to shoot, 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 move on, move on, move on. Don't overthink it. And just, he just had the best energy around him. Always wow. just like, let's go. What's the next thing? Let's do it. Let's do it. You can't help but have that little, like, what happened? What happened at the end? To, I know, man. Very, very sad. It is sad. It's weird. It's, it's, I mean, again, I didn't know him. Maybe you're here, you are saying you worked with him, but yeah, I mean, just, just one strange. job. I got a great picture with him. I got a, you know, how he used to use Polaroids. Yeah. Before the smartphone. And I got a Polaroid of him. Uh, I always would set up kind of funny pictures with whoever I was working with. It was a big star. And I was like, can you fake like you're arm wrestling me? And he's like, as long as I can be beating you. And so he he really, you know, hammed it up like he was slamming my arm down on the table. Oh, that's awesome. Probably my probably one of my top five guilty pleasures of all time. I don't think it's a guilty pleasure. It's a phenomenal movie, but Man on Fire. Oh, sure. Is Man on Fire not just the best Denzel movie? It's got yeah. everything. I cry every time. Totally. Oh, yeah. Uh, right, where are we am I, I think you're, uh, I can't remember. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I had Yeah, yeah, you are, because I said so, Days of Thunder. Yeah. yeah, I'm down to one on my list then, and uh, okay. that movie... It's a little movie called Interview with the Vampire. Okay. Okay. I couldn't put it on. I couldn't do it. It didn't make any of my list. Good. Tell me why. Well, I mean, it, I read that book back then, and, I, and I'm and i not one to read books like that. I don't know why I did, but for some reason sure. I read that damn book and saw the movie and was excited about it. And it's just, uh, it was everything wrong about adapting books, you know, but in all the right ways at the same time. It's like the casting wasn't great. Everyone was up in arms at the time about, yeah, about yeah, him, him being cast in that role. Uh, and it, but it's a movie like that when it comes on today, I find myself watching it for all this kind of badness. Absolutely. I, there, so I have to do these two things to, with myself when, when it comes to Tom Cruise movies, especially doing the pod. I have to remember, I'm a 41-year-old man right now, and we're uh-huh. talking about the movie. And I have to remember how I felt at right. 16 <laughs> sure. when Interview came out. And I... Uh-huh couldn't have been more excited. Like I couldn't, I was 
I was beyond myself. I mean, that cast was, you know, it was the coolest dudes in Hollywood at the time, you know, Christian Slater. And remember there was the, there was that famous lure around it because it was supposed to be uh, River Phoenix was supposed to play the Christian Slater oh, part, but he, right. had, he had just died. I forgot so about that. All this like mystery in this new Brad Pitt. By the way, Tom Cruise was such a big star that his face is plastered on the front uh-huh. of Interview with a Vampire. It says Tom Cruise, his face, the name of the movie, and then just little font of everybody else. Brad Pitt is yeah. in every scene in that movie. Yeah. Tom Cruise is 100% the co- <laughs> like the, the uh, side character. He's not in half the movie. And I think that's just great. You know, it's like yeah. all, all Tom Cruise. And meanwhile, Brad Pitt's totally the star. He was, movie. yeah. Brad Pitt was a very beautiful woman in that movie. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> that yes, gorgeous, he was. gorgeous hair. Supermodel hair. Uh, okay. So is that your five? Did you do all that's five? That's my five because we had some overlap, but okay, fin- finish okay, so out I'm, your list. I've got two. I've got, okay. I've, for some strange reason, I still, okay. This was a hard list for me. I'm freaking uh, out. Okay. My, <laughs> I've got three left. I believe I have three left, but okay. just follow me on this. So I've got uh, Oblivion, which I think it, it, some people kind of... I didn't uh, see it. You didn't see it. Okay, so some Did people kind of it. dumped on it. That's the Joseph Kaczynski, who dir- I think that's how you say his name. He directed Tron Legacy, which I also kind of loved. Uh-huh. The music was awesome. <laughs> and now he's also directing the newest Top Gun Maverick. Oh, okay. So I, f- I freaking loved Oblivion. And, uh, and then Night and Day, is if you haven't seen Night and Day, it is Tom Cruise at his peak cruisiness. He is ridiculous in it. It's him, Cameron Diaz. It's this movie that came out in 2010 that kind of didn't, I don't think it made a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. he is just, he's awesome in it. And then then I'm skipping over those two quickly because the number one guiltiest pleasure of guilty pleasures is far and away. Yes. All right. So just let me say quickly, looking back now, I actually did see Oblivion. I totally saw Oblivion. You did? Yes, I did. And you know what? Uh, It was okay, but obviously it didn't register enough for me to remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Critics did not like it. It had a good, it had a good, uh, had a good um, twist at the end. Yeah. And I think it looked great. Uh, Visually, it was a very cool looking movie. Um, And I did not see Night and Day. For reasons that are obvious, I think it was supposed to be a pretty bad movie from the beginning. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's but his performance in it is so ridiculously li- like he's so likable in it, and uh-huh. he's so you know when the these big stars just find that dropped in place, they become stars because right. of some amazing performance that they they this this most of them have this movie that just changed them, but then they start to drop in, you know, and and that's when you know Clooney wins an Academy Award for right. How could he didn't, you know, we love him and no brother. Like he just, these, all these big, huge mega stars eventually just become so good that the camera's not even there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you watch night and day, he's so, he's so ridiculous in it. He's like, <laughs> but listen, that's, I gotta matter. see it <laughs> far and away to me is yeah. the, it's, that's the one he is. It, it, that's that high. I call it the hybrid movie. Cause he's a, uh-huh. he's a scrapper and a boxer right, right. and you pull for that guy and he's got this ridiculous Irish accent, but he's, uh-huh. but it's a total love story <laughs> yeah. and it, and it's a sweet member. Remember all the sweeping, you know, epics that we would watch back then. And I dare, you know, people be mad at me for calling far and away an epic, but you know, he goes, no, it, from, was. it was he, Ireland to Boston to, uh-huh. you know, the, 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 the Oklahoma territory. I just freaking love that movie. Yeah, I liked Far and Away, and I think he he took a lot of grief for that accent. Um, but what are you gonna do? It, what it are you gonna a, do? It was a fun enough movie. That was Ron Howard, right? That is Ron, and Ron Howard's at his height at that point too. Yeah. you know, of just having the big the music, the Irish music, and 
And Nicole Kidman was wonderful in that movie. She was. That's right. She was abusive in the relationship in Days of Thunder. <laughs> if you remember, she was always like really because she pushed him around a lot, strangely, uh-huh. in Days of Thunder. But she and him together, I thought, in, in Far and Away was the best. Yeah, totally. Right, and I so think good. they were fully in love by that point, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like they met on Days of Thunder. I think that's right. I think they met at Days I can't. I, I believe they met at Days of Thunder. Yeah. And so I think they're totally in love at that point. And then, you know, later on, they do their crazy performance and eyes wide shut. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right, so now we are going to move on to our next category. Uh, top five legit acting movies. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to start off with Rain Man. Uh, I'm yep, on my list. Was he not even nominated for that, you said? He was not nominated. That's crazy. He it's was crazy. truly, truly great in that movie. And that was, a, a, I think, a truly great movie. I really, really loved Rain Man. Yeah, Rain Man will never get made today. If you watch it again, you'd I think be you're like, probably oh, right. <laughs> yeah, you can't say much. He's abusive to his brother. He, yeah. He says terrible words to him, but the but just if, if you take the idea as an actor that you're going through, you, you, you learn something, you have this arc of uh-huh. a character, nobody has a greater arc than his character in that movie. You know, he yeah. is just a terrible piece of shit human being at the beginning. He's it selfish. Real, you know, it was I so mean, real. You, you can't so real. do those things now, but it's, uh, I don't want to say it's a shame because, you know, there, there should be movies about awful people, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, Does you're 100% sense? right. And no, it, it it makes total sense. It's it's 
it's because we're trying to get rid in this culture of getting rid of the inappropriate way of speaking about uh, uh, someone with, you know, whatever disabilities in that in this case. But yes, sure. he, he he is a real human being. People are like that. And for him to learn that to, to, to get rid of the selfishness and, you know, he's a car salesman. Yeah. And by the end, he wants to take care of this handicapped man for the rest of his life is it, it's ridiculous that he didn't get nominated. Um, it's funny. People now think that maybe Dustin Hoffman's performance was a little too much. And right. Looking That's back when territory you watch as well. The, yeah. When you watch the movie, it's actually Cruz who comes out as just an incredible performance. And I have it on my list as well. Uh, for legit acting, legit acting, definitely. Okay. That's my that's my number one, actually. All right. Well, what's your what's your next? All right. One? All right so my next one is uh, Collateral. I think. Okay. His acting in Collateral is if you look at it as that's the kind of the end of the run before he has this again what we talked about earlier the Scientology couch mm-hmm. jumping you know divorce getting remarried weird time. He does collateral just before all that, and it's it is just a dropped in. He's scary. He's mm-hmm. intimidating. He's a murderer. Yeah, uh, his performance with Jamie Fox, them together is just it's a it's it's a Michael Mann film. I I I, I get all the feels for that movie, and then the fight, the the gun sequence in the nightclub is like yes, too real. It feels too real. Yeah, but uh, I I put collateral as one of my top five performances of his. Great. Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm going to hold on to that. <laughs> no, I want to hear. I do want to hear when you get back to it because I could okay. I could already tell that you were a little like, mm, no. <laughs> no, no, not true, actually. You'll, you'll be surprised, my friend. Uh, all right, all right. So uh, next one, uh, and this is a pretty obvious one if you talk about legit acting, uh, the movie that I think really put him on the map as a as someone who did things that they didn't think he could do as an actor, and that is yeah, Born on the Fourth sure. of July. Um, yeah, definitely. Right on the heels of Rain Man. Obviously, like we said, Rain Man was a was a great performance. Um, but Born on the Fourth of July was that sort of Oscar bait thing, for where sure. he went places that you didn't think someone like him could go. No, no, he he. That was the beginning of kind of making himself ugly, mm-hmm. uh, letting him be dirty and grimy, and work with the, just the great Willem Dafoe and 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 get get nasty he just got nasty in that movie and it's it's not one you want to watch it's not like we're let's that's the problem with that movie you don't want to pop it on and be like let's watch born on the fourth yeah i saw that movie i think once <laughs> yeah exactly it's a one exactly that that scene when he discovers in the hospital that he is definitely paralyzed mm-hmm. and there's this like weird like something's dripping mm-hmm. and i think i can't remember even what it is and he just realized and he lets out this guttural scream that's a messed up movie but yeah, it is. And it, it's a it was a movie that was very uncomfortable to watch for sure. Uh, he embodied the physicality. I mean, the emotional aspect of it was enough, but he embodied this physicality where it was tough. He always seemed dirty and he always seemed. Yeah. Just like oh, it was such a gritty, grimy, sad character. Yeah. And unfortunately, he uh, he was up against Daniel Day Lewis in my left foot. And that's why he lied. You can't. You what are you going to do, man? You, what are you going to do? when the greatest actor of all time, you know, comes up against you. So. Yeah. That is really tough. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I didn't realize that. Uh, is it my turn? Your turn. My turn. Okay. This one's going to be different. This one's a little different, but uh, I think one of his greatest acting performances is in mission impossible three, the JJ Abrams one. MI3. So, MI3, which is by the way, the beginning 
of the real MI series. Like the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible Ethan Hunt that we know now uh-huh. started with the J.J. Abrams Mission Impossible 3 movie. So talk to me about that. I've seen all of them and I enjoy all of them, but I don't have this encyclopedic knowledge where I can <laughs> sort of, I know one of them wasn't great. Was that MI2? That was MI2. So MI2 is is a bag of a bag of flaming poop. It is and so John bad. Wu? John that Wu. Right? That's correct. John Wu did shame. it. It is just ridiculous. It has, the characters are, um, it, it, he basically turned Ethan Hunt into a superhero. And it just, the thing about Ethan Hunt that we know now is that it's this man that at any moment could and should be dead. Mm-hmm. And and he do, will do anything at any cost to save the moment, the planet, whatever you want. And that's what makes the, you know, three through six so far fascinating. The first one is a like a weird film noir. It's I have different. a lot of love for that movie. I know it gets bagged on by a lot of, fans but I, I i actually really enjoyed that first mission impossible yeah Still i mean well, when we all saw it in the theater we were you know we thought it was the coolest thing and the langley scene is still one of the coolest mm-hmm. moments ever oh man so great but mi3 opens with him his arms tied behind his back he's bleeding and and uh right uh, philip seymour hoffman as one of the just the best bad guys mm-hmm. oh i think his name was owen davies is you know ripped a ripped a thing off he's got his wife uh, Tom Cruise's wife, played by Michelle Monaghan, you know, strapped up over there, and he's going to shoot her uh-huh. until he tells him where the rabbit's foot down. He counts down from ten, and it's the first moment of the movie. And Tom Cruise's performance in that scene—I mm-hmm. don't care who you are—you can make fun of me right now for saying that I put it on one of my best. You watch that moment; he is unbelievable as an actor in that scene. He goes through more emotions and thoughts and choices, yeah. and and all the while, you know, the stakes couldn't be higher. Your wife who has no idea who you are. Is t- it's an incredible movie. It's my, I'm going to say it out loud right now. It's my favorite Mission Impossible. Okay. It is, it is J.J. Abrams, his first direct, his first major motion picture as well. And oh, it's really? Just, yeah. I think at that point, he'd only done TV. Uh-huh. Don't 100% quote me on that, but... <laughs> but no, uh, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. First movie. Yeah, MI3. That MI3, was a good man. one. That's great. All right. So I'm going to go with uh, Jerry Maguire for my next pick. Sure. Uh, for many, many years until I, uh, I feel like he'd made a couple of not great movies. I was very much Cameron Crowe's biggest fan. Mm. Uh, I always wanted to be a, a screenwriter and still dabble in that stuff, even though I never sold anything, but I always kind of put him on, on the pedestal of like greatest screenwriters yeah. up to a certain point, uh, with all of his early movies and say anything in singles and, uh, almost famous. And I think Jerry Maguire was one of the high points for him in writing a movie that was just uh and he called it Jerry Maguire for that reason it was just a portrait of a guy right and uh it, it was it, it shouldn't have been called the agent or or anything like that like the fact that he titled it Jerry Maguire says it all because it's about this man and this journey that this this guy undergoes this humbling journey and i still love this movie i just i think it i adore it i think it's wonderful i'm going to i'm going to jump around with you because you know we're let's just talk about mcguire for a second i have it as his best of all time and okay so your top five overall uh, my top five overall puts jerry mcguire at number one i think it sums everything up for you know if you take the tom cruise formula which is you know the cocky guy who gets broken down and built back up again nobody played cocky better than tom cruise and uh-huh. no one played broken better than him and and you know, the the love story, we just all, the Dorothy Boyd stuff, we all yeah. loved, man. And, I know, and, man. And, and this is the height, 
this is, is the height of height. You know, he's, it's 1996. He's come off of this crazy $100 million run of films, like a bunch that we've already named. And it's my favorite Tom Cruise movie, which is ridiculous because I'm an action film junkie. Yeah. And yet, Jerry Maguire is my favorite. Nothing is better than Cuba Gooding Jr. in that movie, you know? And, yeah. and just, it's just, a, it's just a hell of a movie. Regina King. I mean, it, it's Oh my a, God, Regina King. It, it's a character piece in like the, the purest sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, and I loved everything about it. The kid was great. Uh, oh my her, God. Her, Nikki. Uh, Renee Zellweger's sister, like Bonnie Hunt. Yes. Yeah, the Bonnie I mean, Hunt character. Glenn oh. Fry had a good cameo. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, it's gotta be peak Jay Moore, you know, with that. Oh, great. that's right. Jay remember Moore. The, remember the phone call sequence once he knows he's fired and then he says, I'm going to get all of them back. And he, it goes between him and Jay Moore calling uh-huh. all the different clients Jay Moore's just, he's got that line in there where he says something where he's like, remember that time we were at that strip club and there was the dead hooker? You don't remember? I right. do, because I'm your agent. You know, or like something like that. And he's just, it's just an amazing movie. So that's, yeah. that's. Yeah. And a movie that like, um, sort of Capra-esque in that it, 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 that it gives you, it was a movie that, I and mean, this is so corny to say, but it truly like made you feel better about people and give you hope that you can try and do the right thing and go off on your own and chart your own path and that will pay off and, and give you a reward. I just loved it. I, I, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a movie that can bring happiness to you. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot going on in the world. I don't want to get too deep about it, but yeah, it, it's, it's just a, 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 it's just a lovely movie that teaches a lesson. And yep. at the end is a love story that has maybe the arguably the greatest back to back, you know, two romantic lines of you complete me and you had me at hello. Like it's, it's great. just the best. It's the best. Yeah, I mean, that movie had three or four lines that are part of pop culture history forever. Oh yeah. And people said, yeah. show me the money for 15 years. I mean, forever. We, we quote that movie all the time. It was just a, a you yeah. know, uh, it's too good. It's too good. I can't deal. I can't do it. Also, did you say the guy that played the, I, I, another great guest star, and I think you said his name, the dude who plays the, the mammy, the male nanny. Do you no, remember that guy too? He was oh, great from High Fidelity. Was, He's yes, awesome. <laughs> he was the best. And jazz, man. And he hands him like the tape to play jazz. Well, that's the best. I think like Jerry was, he was always trying to do the right thing. He had that crisis of confidence or conscience at the beginning of the movie. Yep. And from that point forward, he just always, always, always tried to do the right thing. And that's and, why and, there was, that meant so much when, when Cuba Gooding Jr. stuck with a man as his one guy. Like, yes, it, it was yes. just great. And they gave him, I love that they gave him not this like bombastic contract. They gave uh-huh. him just like a decent amount of money. So it's not like Jerry is now like a billionaire again. For some reason that always hits me, especially in this day and age of, of just obscene money in sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a, another one we forgot to mention is Kelly Preston. How good she was in that, you know, she was, and she all the was, scenes with the, the elder agent, uh, those oh, little, the, who was supposed, does to, that. supposed to be Billy Wilder. Yes. That, there's that great story where, uh, he couldn't get Billy Wilder to be in the movie and he took Tom Cruise with him. And, and, uh, Cameron Crowe said it was interesting. He said, because Tom Cruise asked him and he said, I could tell that it was not someone who was used to hearing the word. No, he was like, mm. it was almost like he didn't know how to react when Billy Wilder told Tom Cruise, no, he wouldn't do it. Tom Cruise was like, does not compute. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm Tom Cruise asking you to do this. You're not going to do it. Yeah. 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 Oh man. So great. What a, 
That's great. I didn't know that. That's good. Yeah, my wife does that all the time. She does the, uh, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I, uh, I say, it's, or whatever that line is, it's going to be a great day. Or, yeah. It's love great. That. Um, Where are we at here? I don't know. I'll, I'll I, just go next. I go have one. Uh, I have one here. I have one left movie. as well. Well, actually, I have two left, so I okay. should go. It's, well, I'm uh, sure we have the same number <laughs> the one. The same one. Um, Magnolia, Magnolia is That's next it. on my list. Frank T.J. Mackey. Uh, I'm doing a series with a, a friend, uh, um, Paul Thomas Anderson series, and we covered Magnolia. It was one of my favorite movies at the time, and I've seen it many times since. Just a powerhouse performance. It's, you know, I mean, he should listen. I'm a diehard fan. I, 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 for some reason, thought Cider House Rules the year it came out was, I'm going to make a little jump here, was an amazing movie, and I cried my face off. Sure. And Good movie. Michael Kane, my, it's great. And Michael Caine is a, an incredible actor. Tom Cruise should have won the Academy Award for Magnolia. He was, yeah. it is, it, it, he was the epitome of what a supporting actor was in the movie, and it was in a performance like no other, and the crying sequence, and the yeah. just the... I'm silently judging you is one of my favorite lines ever oh in a movie. He's, he's incredible. I mean, my, there were so many pieces to that. You know, he's first, you have the piece where he's on, on the stage doing all his, uh, you know, how to, how to woo women stuff. Right. Or right. Not woo women, how to, how to dominate and control women. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, all that stuff is amazing. And then like you said, the interview sequence and then all the stuff with Robards, it's just like, what a, that's what, it. Like he just got to chew his way through that whole thing. My only, my only issue with that movie forever. And how dare me say this for one of the greatest directors we've ever had is when Cruz is, they should have just left the camera on him and not switched over to Robart's dead face oh, interesting. or even they even put it over. If you go back and watch it again, I just watched all these again. So you mm -hmm. think of things that you don't, I, and they cut over to uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's face at times too. And I was like, no, please Cruz is, crushing the scene it yeah. is it is and, and mind you this is the this is the culmination of a 20-year career at this point or almost 20-year career of a man who's had a lot of daddy issues you know which which is just i don't know how much you know about that with Cruz, but that his mm -hmm. father left as a young man and yeah yeah you know most of his movies that he had control over in some way always had something to do with his father that's right and either a dead father or an absent father or a father who she was living in the shadow of and this was the culmination. And for him to sit over Robarts and, and, and let those emotions out, those were real. That was yeah. as real as it gets. So an amazing performance. Love it. Uh, and then my last one, or actually you say your last one, or was that Oh, your no, last my last one? one. That one, my last one was Magnolia. So I'm excited to hear what your other one is. Well, my last one is Eyes Wide Shut. It's... Um, oh, yes. And I'll go ahead and say we can mark Eyes Wide Shut and Jerry Maguire off of the uh, top five overall movies. For me, but um, Eyes Wide Shut to me, just a legendary movie, all the stories that surrounded it and the number of takes and the length of the shoot and the, it's just, it's one of those movies where the legend that accompanies it kind of enriches the movie itself. It's a movie I know a lot of people don't like, but I love it. And um, boy, I just, I think his work in it was second to none. So my... I, I have the reverse feeling on that movie, which unlike most, you know, uh, I did not love it when I first saw it. Okay. I think I might have even, even though it came out when I was 20, I think I was just too young to appreciate it. I still was just learning about good cinema while I was in college at that point. Because again, as, as you and the listeners can hear, I mostly watch cheesy action films and, uh -huh. and you know, budding <laughs> comedies most of my childhood. And so I didn't 
really get the chance to appreciate it. And yeah. I went back later on in life in my late 20s and watched, you know, Barry Lyndon and, uh, you know, and I, obviously I love The Shining, but got to understand Kubrick a little bit more. And then uh-huh. I watched it again. And then I thought to myself, how was Nicole Kidman not winning every award for yeah. what she did in that movie? She was extraordinary in that movie. And yeah. so was he. Yeah. But she, but she was the, to me, she was the actual just star those that scene when she describes the dream and what a, what a movie what a movie what an interesting different movie and i of course i didn't know anything at the time that i saw it about about you know uh you know someone someone deceiving you and your relationship and letting yeah. your mind go crazy you know I was, I was just too young to really appreciate totally, it totally totally i get it yeah love it yeah all right now we're on to top five overall movies like i said i'm down to three for my original five because they've been covered. So what do you have? What am I? What am I? Okay. Yeah. So I'm out Jerry Maguire. I am too. I'm out Jerry Maguire and Top Gun. You said you're out Eyes Wide Shut and uh, Jerry Maguire. So mm-hmm. we, we both have three left. Here we go. Look at this. All right. You want me to start? <laughs> Can I start? Yeah. Okay. So my first overall, which I had put as number five because I was such a nerd and I even categorized them. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I even, I even like numerically was like, okay, this is number five. <laughs> right. Right. So ranked. Is a different one, but I think it's got a lot of people actually think it is one of his best, which is Edge of Tomorrow. That's on my list. Ah, good. Good. Great movie and a movie that frankly surprised me in how good it was. Yes. I knew it was going mean, to be, I was like, I'm down for any of the big cruise movies like that that we'll put out in the summer, the action movies. I'll go see them all. Uh, and I was really surprised on how great, great that movie was. It's, it it just, it keeps getting better every time you watch it too. It's the quintessential Tom Cruise movie where he is, again, he's the likable douchebag at the beginning. You, you know, he's the, he's the PR rep for the, the, the army and he's recruited all the people, but he's actually just a, a weak nobody. He, he, do you even hear, I I just watched it again recently. So you hear him say, uh, how many times have I said that already? Oh, I just watched it again recently. (laughs) What's wrong with me? I have two children oh, and a job. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he says that he like had, I think he says he was like a sales rep or he had like an accounting firm or something like that. Like mm-hmm. he's just a total nobody. That's just a good talker. And, and you take the groundhog day, you know, theory and just an amazing director in Lyman and yeah, oh, what a movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. And it's, um, my wife actually worked on Go many years ago, Doug Lyman's oh, yeah. first movie, uh, when he was just a budding director. And I remember at the time she told me she was like, "This guy's like, he's really got the goods." And um, yeah, I mean, I loved it. It was, uh, it's a movie I only saw once, and now like I totally want to go back and watch it again, and have wanted to. It's one I was trying to talk my wife into seeing. She's generally not into that stuff, but I think sure. just, I think it's so good. It's hard to not like. It has such a clever premise and it's executed just so flawlessly. For sure. And, you know, and again, another movie where the the other performances are fantastic and, yeah. and you know, Bill, Bill Paxton, who's got to be all one of our favorites, is so good in it. And it's just interesting and different and unique and uh, and all the little now go back and watch it because now that you yeah. know how it ends, you can see the little like choices totally. that they make and uh too good. I mean, at the, at the time, I remember thinking like, oh, I got to see this again soon because it's one of those movies where a second viewing, uh, yes. again, is like super informative, but uh, I just never got around to it. And, so. and 
And it did not do well because I guess the name was through people off A. Right. And I guess I, there was something else going on around there where he wasn't making a ton of money as Tom Cruise. Again, maybe, I don't know. I can't really, I think it was like 2014 or something. I can't remember the exact year. But anyway, he just, they ended up changing the title to Live, Die, Repeat. Right. Or it's called like Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat. Like they actually did something that you never see where they had to mess with the name and now there's a chance of a sequel and it's it, it it got a real second run it got a second life and everybody loves it now yeah i mean i think it was one of those movies where the word of mouth i think everyone especially after stuff like oblivion people are kind of like is this just another kind of tom cruise exactly run around movie and word got around and i remember friends of me saying like no man this movie is really awesome like you have yeah. to go see it which is exactly what happened with american made years later which is also another doug, doug lyman film was that good it, it I was. It. So he made The Mummy and, uh, oh my God, why can't I think of the other movie that nobody, oh, oh, Jack Reacher 2. So he Did does Jack Reacher that. 2 and The Mummy and they're total just, they're bad. They're just not good. It's for whatever reason, they're not good. So then when American Made came out, people again were like, oh, I'm not going to go see this. I don't get it. And it's great. It's Doug is Lyman. Ja is Jack Reacher 1 good? Jack Reacher 1 is fine. It's okay. fine. It's fine. The Jack Reacher movies just didn't really do what they needed to do. I guess Jack Reacher, the character, I get the books. My mother-in-law tells me are fantastic. And he's yeah, supposed I don't to be know why some, I didn't see that. Yeah. They, well, they weren't, they weren't good. They just didn't, right. they just That's didn't why. do it. <laughs> That's why you didn't see it. Cause they probably have a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, uh, all right. So my next one, uh, we don't have to go over too much. I was kind of keeping this in the back pocket cause I wanted to surprise you, but collateral is on my list. Yeah. I love collateral. I just didn't want to play my hand too oh, early. I like that though. I was worried. I was worried you didn't like it. All it right. was great. I mean, it's Michael Mann at his finest. It was, I remember, I think the first movie shot on DV, if I remember right, correctly. Right. It was weird. It looked different. Remember? Yeah. And it's, uh, I think it just kind of snuck up on me and is, uh, and I think a truly, truly great Michael Mann and Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. I Love had it. a hard time at first because Michael Mann to me was still last of the Mohicans. And I, I, I thought like, Oh, I, I loved his bigger movies and I thought it was weird and mm -hmm. uncomfortable at first. And then again, I had to watch it a few more times to be like, Holy shit. I think this is awesome. And the it's real. And then yeah. it looks like it's being shot on a handheld camera. Like it's just, looks too real to me and I couldn't deal with that. So I, uh, I only saw it once. I need to check that out again. Well, he did a run of those. Remember he did, he did, it felt like the same way in the insider had the insider had that kind of weird mm -hmm. quality where you felt like you were just, too, it, it felt like it was too close. You were like, is this really happening? Am I watching a, you know, and then yeah, even, yeah. even the Miami vice movie, which was a train wreck in itself, but it still was like that. It was shot like that. Those uh -huh. that Michael Mann went through a time where he was just doing weird, yeah, you know, in your face, nighttime, gritty, dark, and man, collateral did it. All right, what else you got? Okay, how many I got two left have? here. Okay, how many do you have left? I have just one. So go ahead. Okay. Oh yeah, because that was your number two. So my here here's mine. You you have to put in MI six as a top five overall. And I, I the reason well you don't have to, but the reason <laughs> why <laughs> is because that is the you know, we far, my buddy Alec on the show makes the argument of this, that that in all the Oscar nominations and everything, it's always got to be a dramatic performance. Look mm -hmm. at the nominations that just came out this year. You got to have somebody just weeping and crying and it's got to yeah. be, you know, Hugh Jackman in Prisoners, just like it, someone's mm -hmm. got to have a dead daughter somewhere. And you, what Tom Cruise has done as an action star in these mm -hmm. Ethan Hunt, you know, character 
movies is just nothing short of incredible and awesome. You care about the character. You love them. It's got the drama. It's got a little bit of comedy. And the action is nobody yeah. will do what Tom Cruise just did in MI6 ever again. Totally. Unless... He somehow doubles down in MI7, which I'm not sure is possible. You know, the man taught himself how to fly, fly a military-level helicopter. Right. He jumped out of a halo jump 106 times. You know, he yeah. just did it's shit that... amazing. It's incredible. And it's an incredible movie with, with just great storyline and the bad guy coming back from the fifth one and yeah. you get Superman as the arch nemesis now. It's just, it's too good. Oh it's man, that good. fight scene between those two was just amazing. Some of the, I mean, there's, there's great big action sequences, but the MI series had some of the best outside of the Bourne series, some of the best just fights. I agree. I in agree. Movie history, I think. Yeah. And I was, I am, I am all for the, the, the second and third Bourne movies. I think the two and three sum, supremacy and then ultimatum are, are yeah. maybe two of the best I've ever seen. But uh, yeah, MI6 is up there. And it just, I just, if, if, if I could have found one MI to embody them all, even though mm. I said MI3 is my favorite, right. which it is, <laughs> MI6 though embodies like Tom Cruise. So I can't right, wait so for I seven. Think, I think you, with you saying you have one left and me saying one left, it's almost impossible for not us to have the same movie here. But I'm. Um, oh, interesting. It's, it's almost impossible. Well, mine we, is Color of Money. Whoa, shock the crowd. <laughs> Holy shit, it is not the same movie. Yeah, The Color of Money, man. I love that movie. That was a HBO movie for me that I saw a bunch. It's uh, Scorsese, it's Paul Newman. Uh, Cruise in it was just fantastic as the cocky young uh, pool player. Like uh, Everything about that movie works for me still. I love it. And, and this what? wasn't, by the way, sub-ranked, so I'm not saying... That's my number one favorite. Sure, sure. Uh, th these were all just five in random order, but Color of Money is definitely, definitely on the list for me. Love it. Uh, yeah. What is what is uh, Paul Newman's got a line when he's sitting down with him in the back of the shop where he's wearing the famous Vince shirt, uh -huh. and he says like, "You are a giant flake." Yeah, and I or something <laughs> like that. He's like, "Don't change that." Like that's he's that's another one where you think Tom Cruise was just being this this overexcited guy but actually he was playing an amazing character yeah. and went through a great arc and by the end of that movie he becomes the shark himself uh -huh. and he's not a good person and wow i can't believe we didn't have the same number one wow uh, i'm trying to think of what yours is now i mean I, you already said top gun right yeah how could you you haven't named this movie once no 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 it was my guilty pleasure no no the movie that i'm about to name oh, oh, you oh, haven't sorry. said yet which is a few good men ah okay a few good men is sure you that, had our, our mutual friend uh, kevin pollock on the show yeah oh how do you know kevin did he come I know on him show? he was a stuff you should know listener and uh i actually met kevin when we did a stuff you should know live at podcast fest and he interrupted the show by <laughs> filling up our water glass on the stage <laughs> and afterward we talked and now we're, we've been pals for a while now Dude, before I talk about A Few Good Men, I, I don't know how many of your guests have done this, but I'll nerd out real fast. You're right. a, I'm a huge fan of Stuff You Should Know. You guys got, oh, me, you got me and my wife through some really hard times when our first son was born. He did not sleep at all, uh, my son Jack. And so for that first year, we, I, I could literally get emotional thinking about how tough it was because you know we were sleep deprived. And the only way he would nap is by putting him in the stroller. And uh -huh. so, you know, these are, to me, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about podcasts and someone said, hey man, you should listen to stuff you should know. And I 
I mean, you guys got me through some really tough oh, times. Dude, that is super sweet. Thank you. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. It, I didn't know that. And I learned a lot. <laughs> awesome. Very I learned cool. a lot during that time. Um, okay. A few good men. How it's many people argue it to be his best or at least his cruisiest. It is Aaron Sorkin's first play. Yeah. Turned into an incredible movie. It is the perfect storm of every great actor on the planet. Yeah. Coming together. Um, I still put Jerry Maguire over it, which I know on my podcast, my guys will argue with me about endlessly because they put this movie as their their number one. It's, um, again, just like with Jerry Maguire, it has some of the most famous lines of all time. Yeah. Maybe the best scene ever between Nicholson and, and Cruz. And uh, every time I watch it, you're like, oh my God, I f you forget. You're like, oh, this is this is awesome. This yeah. movie's great. It was also nominated that year for Best Picture. Uh, Nicholson was nominated for Best Actor, and I think that's another one that Cruz got shafted for not getting nominated for. He wasn't nominated for that. Interesting. So he's been nominated three times. He he, he was born on the fourth. He lost to, uh -huh. like we said, uh, Daniel Day. You can't argue with that. Right. He was nominated for Best Actor for Jerry Maguire. He lost to, uh, uh, I can do this, um, Shine. What's a Jeffrey Rush in Shine? Oh. Uh, how can mm. you, again, you know, the Academy I know. The, if you they change love yourself, like shine. <laughs> yeah, they just love. If you morph yourself and turn yourself into a crazy person and play the piano, you're going to win. And then, uh, and then, yeah, Michael Caine, you lost to in Magnolia um, uh, for for Cider House Rules. So I think, yeah, a few good men. Uh, he should have been nominated for, and same with um, same with Rain Man. Yeah, I mean, I love a few good men. It was not on any of my list, but very well could have been, as you know how these lists go. Of course, uh, of course. Pitch me on any given day and I will uh, I'll throw a few good men on my list. Really, really great movie. When is he going to get that Oscar, man? When's he? Well, that's see, I have a Chuck. I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going <laughs> to say it on this podcast. I have the perfect. I know what he should do. He should do Color of Money 2, basically. Oh, Meaning, so where think he about does it. the Newman role. Exactly. So Newman was in The Hustler mm -hmm. and then did, you know, yeah. Color of Money wins his Oscars. Here you go. That'd be pretty cool. But the problem is, is that he still looks so young. We need another like 15 years. You need him to look old. That's the downside. Yeah. I mean, they aged him up a little bit in collateral. He had that gray hair. Yeah, that's right. The, sil the, the silver fox look. Yeah, he, he is a bit a ageless. Uh, and then you just cast whatever young asshole as, as the Vince, you know. Yeah, so yeah you, need the, uh, you need the, uh, the, the younger, you know, early Shia, Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I love that. We oh, love that's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for Shia LaBeouf now. I know, but he was so good at it. He was uh, so good at Yeah, it. he did come to mind for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> that's really sad and wonderful. It's, and please, he is, I think he, with all of his shortcomings, he is. Oh, he's, he's one yeah. It's one of the most talented actors out there. No, I saw that, that when he did uh, this year that he made. Honey Boy. Honey Boy. It yeah. was fantastic. My goodness, my goodness. And it did Fury. Do you remember that movie Fury with, with Brad Pitt as the... Oh, the tank guys? The tank guys. Dude, yeah, go I like back that, all right? Watch, go back and watch him in that movie and the four of them. Uh -huh. Who, Michael Pena is easily... You want to put anybody in any movie at any time. Yeah. You just got this role. He's <laughs> not the number one on the call sheet, but uh -huh. you got the number two. You're like, who do we get? Oh, I know Michael Pena. Yeah, he's, he's wonderful. Oh, my God. He can do anything. He has a house in Atlanta now. Oh, does he really? I think he worked here enough and liked it and was just, uh, I think he, he and his family bought a house here. You guys are popular now there in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, happening. let me know if you ever make your way down here for anything. 
You know, I used to, before I got blackish, I had a, I had a second life. I was the children's party entertainer. And then mm -hmm. people said, Hey, you got a great voice. You should do corporate work. And I was like, what's that mean? Right. I'm like, Oh yeah. When a trade show comes through, you, you, uh, you can be the, you can be the spokesman for the product and, uh. and stand on the trade show floor. So I went to uh -huh. Atlanta a lot to do that. Oh, yeah. and it was soul sucking, but yeah. I made good money <laughs> good for you <laughs> and ate a lot of food. <laughs> good. Well, Atlanta, dude. Atlanta, a town that just parties all the time. You guys just party all the time. There's a lot of partying and a lot of great food. Uh, well, this was a lot of fun, Jeff. Uh, I feel like there's more to talk about, so I would love for you to come back sometime. Oh, that would mean the world. And yeah, we'll, we'll figure out another angle. Maybe we can talk about stuff that, uh, like The Last Samurai, or maybe we, no, it'll have to be Cruise stuff. Let's talk about Tom Cruise again. Yeah, we can do Cruise, but listen, I, I'm a fan of, we can we could just do the 90s. Right. <laughs> just the 90s in every film that meant the world to us. All right, cool, man. Thanks a lot. And uh, everyone check out Blackish. And uh, do you have like Twitter handles and stuff? Are you active on social? Yeah, I'm big on, uh, uh, what am I on? Instagram. So just at Jeff Meacham and uh, at Meeting Cruise uh, for our podcast. And just please Fantastic. check out the Meeting Tom Cruise pod because uh, I, I love doing what Chuck does. And it's uh, it's fun, man. It's fun to talk. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I All love right. it. Thanks, man. Movie Crash is produced and written by Charles Bryant and Noel Brown, edited and engineered by Seth Nicholas Johnson, and scored by Noel Brown here in our home studio at Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia, for iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.